This is a post-Christian podcast. Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome to another edition of Meet Your Congregation with Revolution Church. I'm Caleb here with Brother Pastor Jay Baker. Hello. Hello, Jay. And we have as our guest today, Andrew Reimers. How you doing, Andrew? I am doing very well. Thank you for having me, guys. Excellent. Where are you, Andrew? I am in Buffalo, New York. Oh, yeah. Mm. How yes. have a lot of New Yorkers here recently, haven't we? We have. That was my old stomping grounds. How's, how is uh, Buffalo handling the uh, shutdown, the corona? Uh, not great. Okay. Uh, it, it, it's... You know, it, it's interesting here in New York because we get our daily updates from Governor Cuomo. Yeah. And, you know, our updates always include everything that's going on in New York City, even though we're 450, 500 miles away from New York City. Yeah. Um, but our county in Erie, Erie County in western New York is hit pretty hard. And there's a few regions throughout the state of New York that have reopened. Uh, we are still at only, I think it's four out of the seven categories that we need to hit to okay. begin reopening. So as of you know today, we are still <laughs> looking at uh, being at home for a few more weeks, probably. Yeah, I think they're talking like in L.A. It's like till July. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think they're, they're the longest. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're getting close. I mean, I've lost all my gigs. Uh, pretty much through the whole summer at this point now. And, um, you know, we're just taking it a day at a time. My, my wife is, um, again, we're in a, you know, we're in a great situation and she's still getting paid even though she's at home with us and she works a little bit here and there, but, mm. um, you know, it, a lot of people out there have it a lot worse from a financial standpoint and just from a, a loneliness standpoint. Totally. Too. Yeah. So you're a professional musician. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Cool, man. What do you play? Uh, I play guitar and I sing. Um, I do write, uh, my own music and uh, I play music at church, but my the weird new job that I have is I'm uh, I'm a Johnny Cash impersonator. Oh yeah, um, which I don't look like it right now because I haven't had to shave. <laughs> <laughs> but I um, yeah I, I I pretend to be Johnny Cash and I go into uh, well I play in bars and, and parties and things, but I, I do a lot of my work in retirement homes and nursing homes and things like that. We've talked on on uh, Twitter, right, or Instagram, one or the other. Uh, it's possible. I think we follow each other. I we don't do know follow each other. I know because I've seen Johnny Cash impersonator. You have it okay. on your bio. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. hard to miss. I mean, I'm a huge Johnny Cash fan. Yeah. So it's okay. a it's an interesting uh, interesting life. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You get that low. What did you think of? This is going to be great. Meet your congregation. Now I'm talking about Johnny Cash. <laughs> what did you think about Joaquin Phoenix's voice? And you know, I thought he did a really good job. They they upped every song. Uh, they put it up about a I don't know about a half a step because yeah. he's singing a lot of those songs that low. I mean, Johnny Cash had a one of a kind voice yeah. and. A lot of my impersonation involves my mannerisms and things. Where okay. you know, there's a couple songs I have to adjust to, but I thought he was great. I mean, I don't. There was never a point in that movie that I forgot, or you know, where I was like, "That's definitely Joaquin Phoenix." You know, mm. I thought he did a great job. Yeah, nice. Too. That's a cool job. I mean, do you study like do you study him, or have you read all his books? Or I mean, I mean, uh, yeah, I've, I've been reading. I'm like, you know, it's funny. I'm in the middle of like four different books about him. Yeah. Uh, 
but what the reason it started was I actually was I, I played Johnny Cash in two different productions of Million Dollar Quartet. Oh yeah, the, I the I musical. To see that really bad. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good. And there was a local theater company here that uh, actually reached out to me. I'd never acted or anything like that, and they mm. knew that I, I play country music and country Americana esque music. Uh, they reached out to see if I'd be interested in trying it. Uh, I tried my hardest, and it went pretty well, and the, the shows were really successful. And then they brought it back to an even bigger uh, theater a couple years later, and I, I did it again. And uh, when all was said and done, I realized that um, one thing, I, I do not love musical theater, um, <laughs> but I do love being Johnny Cash. And to see so many people who were bringing their grandparents and their great-grandparents to the shows mm-hmm. and just the amazing stories people were telling me afterwards, I realized that this might be kind of a cool thing to do uh, on my own. You know, I've never had a whole lot of success working for the man, so to speak. So right. mm-hmm. uh, I thought I'd give this a shot. And to be honest, I, I really had a lot of momentum going here and before this whole oh, COVID-19 bummer. thing. So, mm. uh, you know, it's whatever. I'll pick back up where we left off. When do you, off. like, pretend you're him? Like, I mean, do you do, like... Do oh, yeah. And I'm usually... I'll, I'm clean shaven. I got the hair. You know, I talk like him. I act like him. I hold the guitar up real high. Oh, that's cool. All that kind of stuff. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's I'm stoked. <laughs> got a got a pill bottle full of uh, black mysterious pills. Uh, <laughs> no, just just my antidepressants. Okay, <laughs> a guitar rattles. Yeah, right. Um, hey, Andrew, I'm I'm curious about something. Uh, you real briefly mentioned uh, playing in your home church, right? Um, yes. But then when you first reached out to me, uh, you mentioned that you and your wife recently ended your partnership with your home church. Um, for for reasons having to do with not being comfortable with them being um, them believing that being queer is a choice and a sin. Um, so I'm curious. First off, what denomination was that? And second off, just kind of how that played. Well, yeah, just out of curiosity. And then and then how that came to a culmination. How did you see that playing out? And uh, yeah, I'm just curious what the story is there. Sure. I mean, if you don't mind, uh, I'll probably have to go back to sort of the beginning when we started going to that church, yeah, um, go ahead. if that's okay. Please. Because I grew up in a non-denominational church, uh, you know, here in Western New York that uh, eventually grew to become almost like a mega church now. They kind of run out of, an, you know, an arena style place. Um, but I grew up in church. Uh, my grandmother was was very involved. And then in turn, my, my aunt and my mom were very involved. Sure. And I, as a kid, I you know, Jesus loved me, uh, this I know because right. the Bible told me so, you know, I, that was the extent of my real knowledge, but I spent a few years in Christian school, private school, okay. kindergarten, first grade, second grade. Um, but then from there, uh, circumstances in my family, um, whatever it might be, we, we stopped going to church and, you know, I kind of went on to, uh, I just was away from church. It wasn't, uh, I wasn't anti-God. I wasn't anything like that, but I was, I just didn't have any room for faith in my life. It wasn't anything that my friends and I did or talked about. You know, we do drugs and get spiritual. Right. Uh, You know, nothing uh, Jesus related. And, you know, through my rock and roll years of whatever, I don't need to list my accomplishments of sin, but, you know, my drugs and alcohol and all those years, um, that went on for a long time. And, you know, eventually my wife and I ended up having having our son and we settled down we were married and i started to clean up my act but in 2017 i felt this 
uh, sort of like a hole kind of, that was kind of still left in my life mm. and uh, woke up uh, one day and just thought we should uh, we should go to church. Right. And, and my wife would look at me shocked. You know, it's not something we ever really talked about. Mm. And um, I have some family who works uh, for a church. So there it's a, a Southern Baptist church here okay. in Buffalo, New York. Um and it really, you know, whatever Southern Baptist group that they're a part of, you know, they, they do love doing adult baptisms, and that's kind of their thing. I mean, right. they mm-hmm. they don't they don't believe babies can make a choice to be sure. baptized, and and I and I do agree with that. I think that's a very interesting concept. I myself was baptized in 2018, and uh, and honestly, we, you know, when we first started going, they were doing this uh, a series on First John called "Love One Another," oh. and we. Uh, oh my gosh. I mean, it was just, it was so incredible, like to realize, like, not only had I not heard the name Jesus in 20 something years, but we went to this church and we were just blown away by the message. And it just seemed, it was so hopeful and it was so just happy and positive. And it's not a real big church. And, you know, I, it's, you know, it holds a couple hundred people, but I just love the, the style of it, the look of it. It just seemed like there was this contemporary, I just didn't know church could be as modern as this church was. Uh, I guess I just still always thought of it, old people in gray suits and, uh, you know, greeting you uh, and the heavy scent of perfume in the air. Like it wasn't like that. And it was a pleasant surprise. Uh, You know, so we were honestly pretty happy and it felt good to come back. And it, it really, within a matter of weeks, I felt myself being drawn back to, to Jesus and, and back to the Bible and all that. So fast forward not long after, <laughs> they were really, you know, one thing that this church uh, does is they, they really promote the idea of, and, and definitely, and I know it's in the Bible, you know, really building community and faith through community. Right, yeah. So they want you to have these smaller groups they call journey groups, and you meet on a weekly basis with, uh, you know, eight to ten people. Uh, it's the same people every week, and you study that week's conversation. And, and you know, it was uh, it was different for us, and we were – it was good. It put us out of our comfort zone. We were now hanging out with people that we never would have been <laughs> hanging out with before, yeah. especially a couple years prior. and. And it was fine until one morning or one evening, the this uh, somebody mentioned that within their family, their you know niece or whatever it was, um, they came out, right? And you know, and, and honestly, my initial thought was like, oh wow, this is going to be a, an amazing <laughs> story. And then how quickly it turned to they're going to lose their scholarship at a pretty, you know, you know, prestigious Christian college and how and all of a sudden everybody in the room started shaking their heads and talking about, well, you know what you got to do. You got to pray for the same way we pray for people who, you know, choose to cheat on their taxes and choose to cheat on their spouses. And my wife and I were just sitting there just in stunned silence. And maybe we were just naive or ignorant, or I don't know what it was, but we just, we couldn't believe like what we were hearing that it was 2018 at the time. And that people who, who look like us and people who are our age and people who seem to like, I don't know, people like us who shop at Target (laughs) think this is like a sin. Like it just, so we went home and honestly, from that point, you know, neither one of us felt comfortable again and it was only a couple months into it 
but because I'd made so many mistakes in my life and I always thought I knew better and I always tried to do things on my own and I was really trying to make a change. I stuck with it because I figured, you know, there, there's got to be something here to learn. There's got to be something, you know, I, I can't focus on this. And I continued to be involved. And because the church isn't very big, I we became immersed in the culture there. And I was all of a sudden I was playing in the band at church and I was leading. There's two different campuses. I was leading worship on Sunday mornings. Right. And I just, you know, I would stand up there every Sunday I was doing it. Like, what happened? You know, where did this come from? And you know, through all this, though, I mean, the underlying factor was that I still felt my salvation through Jesus. And I don't deny that. Right. And I tried to talk to uh, one of the pastors there. Uh, him and I became real good friends. And when this first happened, I brought my concerns up to him. And when we sat down and talked, you know, it was a hard thing for me to do. And, you know, Jay, you talk about this all the time about, you know, having these tough conversations yeah. and disagreeing well. And it's not something that I've been good at in most of my life. I usually try to avoid conflict. But this was something that meant a lot to me. And I sat down and tried to talk to him. And, it, you know, really, I felt it was more of like, well, you know, just stick it out. Look, I know how you feel. But like, you're still kind of new to this. Like, you know, let, let's, he was more of like just trying to not make me angry and just keep me in the church, you know? Right. And I just, and it was one of these things of, we'll get back to it. You know, let's, yeah, we'll talk about that. No, this is good. Thanks for bringing this to my attention. We'll talk about it. And, you know, we never talked about it. So over time, um, again, we weren't feeling comfortable, but we started to hear it's not, and honestly it is, you know, my whole life I've been, uh, if for as long as I could make, you know, independent thoughts, um, the, the LGBTQIA community, I mean, for me, like I just, it's been a major, uh, issue for me. And in terms of their, the right to marry in terms of just the, the knowledge of, of their, you know, just the lifestyle and that who they love is who they love. And that's not for us to decide. And I don't even have anyone, I have, um, you know, a lot of friends who, who are, are queer, but they're, you know, nobody in my family, but for some reason, this is always, hit home with me. Yeah. And I couldn't let it go. Yeah. Aside from that, I started hearing all of a sudden now in these journey groups that we were in, you know, I would start to ask questions because I started learning more about the Bible and I started studying more and I started following Revolution yeah. Church and uh -oh. it made me think a little bit deeper. <laughs> uh, you know, and I'm not trying to suck up or anything, but it no. made me, you know, no, it's I, nice to hear. Well, and it's and it's true. And, and you mentioned earlier, uh, even today, Jay, and I don't know when this will air, but it was you talked about how, you know, people who take the Bible literally. And that's the church that we were in was yeah. taking the Bible literally. And all of a sudden, it, I, I found myself who people didn't want to talk to me about the questions I had and the concerns I had. But then somebody would be like, oh, I saw this amazing article on Facebook about how scientists are saying now evolution didn't happen. And everyone's like, whoa, can you send that to me? That sounds <laughs> oh, gosh, amazing. Yeah, right. Like. You know, and my wife and I, again, we're just looking at each other like, what is this world? So after a couple of years, you know, we, it really then became, we just became so just disconnected. Um, now, when the, uh, the coronavirus and COVID-19, when all this first started, um, you know, we, <laughs> you, as you've mentioned, we, you guys have been doing church online for a long time now. Well, our church started broadcasting live. And for the first one that was broadcasted live online, I was actually doing worship and I was up on stage. And while I was on stage playing, I was like, 
why am I going to watch church twice online Sunday mornings? Like now that my church, because we used to go to church and then we'd come home and I would watch Revolution. Well, I realized then and there, I was like, this is, this is not good. So I took a couple of weeks uh, away and I started just only watching Revolution and I just didn't feel like I was missing a whole lot. Right. Uh, now, fast forward, and I apologize. This is kind of a long story. No, no. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's well, great. Uh, People get to know each other. Oh, well, good, because it's about to get crazy. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so, not great, you know, but anyway. So, my whole life, you know, I've been, uh, of course, you know, I, I had uh, issues with addiction and things. And uh, I, I've had problems with, with depression and mental health my whole life, but I've never done anything about it. Um, I don't know if it's pride or ego or both or whatever it is, maybe fear. Um, but through Christ and through coming back, uh, to faith and after my baptism, I felt very strongly called to get sober. Um, Mm. I used to justify it because I used to be so much worse, uh, but I was still drinking a lot and, uh, I knew I needed to get sober. So I did that. And I did it through a, a organization called Celebrate Recovery that, uh, I don't know if it's national or not. Yeah, I've heard of it. Uh, but it's Christ centered and it's kind of like a, but a little different. Uh, it's, it's nice. I, I enjoy yeah. it. And, um, but the biggest thing for me was that I, I started to notice about six months in, but after I hit the one year point and then a couple months ago, uh, my mind started getting real bad and all of my mental health struggles that I had, like when I was a teenager, they've been pushed down and yeah. pressed and, and numbed by alcohol. Yeah. And self-medicate. Exactly. Well, I started to get pretty bad. Um, I couldn't trust my thoughts. I couldn't focus on anything. I couldn't, I was, I was angry. Um, I wasn't being very nice. My son is five. He's, he's, he's great. I mean, you know, he's a pain in the butt too, but he's great. And, but I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't being very kind to him. I wasn't treating my wife with the respect she deserves for everything she does for our family and lets me be a Johnny Cash impersonator. Right. But come on. Yeah, no you know, she's incredible. Um, and I had sort of a system though, and I, I had gotten by 37 years, but when all of a sudden we were all forced in the house together, um, mm. it only took about three weeks. And I had, uh, on Easter Sunday, I had a, a nervous breakdown. Oh, man. Um, the, the sad and kind of ironic part about it was that it, it, it was sort of broadcasted live on Facebook because I was doing a live Facebook concert uh, of like worship songs and things to try to bring hope to the world. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's really when it all started falling apart. So um, it was pretty, it's funny to look back on now, but a lot of people, as soon as that was done, like reached out, they're like, what is going on with you, dude? Um, yeah. So. I ended up, uh, because it's so hard to get any help right now, mm. I had to uh, check myself into the hospital. Yeah, I've been there. And, yeah, it was um, it was hell, man. Yeah, it was scary. hell on it's earth. It's so scary. It's, it's really hard to, I mean, that's a, that was one of the scariest places I've ever been, was checking myself into the hospital, the, the mental ward of the hospital. I mean, it was just, felt like I was in prison. It was really scary. Mm. I'm glad you said that because that's exactly how I felt too. It was prison. Yeah. It, uh, and almost immediately, boy, you want to talk about perspective, yeah. good grief. I mean, there, the problem is there's, cause they're, they're short staffed cause nobody's coming into work when then all of a sudden, you know, what is it doing for my mental health? When all of a sudden I'm, I'm locked in with, with people who 
I'm not, you know, trying to downplay my problems, but like all of a sudden I'm living with paranoid schizophrenics yeah. and we're all just like sharing a lunchroom, man, that's, uh, that was tough. And, you know, but I was finally able to talk to, to a doctor and I was finally, I feel like something I always knew, but I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Okay. And now I know, and now I'm able to take the steps to deal with it. Uh, I'm able to be on medication. I've, I've started therapy. And it's funny because even through all that, I asked him for a Bible, which, oh my gosh, you would have thought I asked him for, I don't know, Mein Kampf or something, the way they struggled <laughs> to find a copy of it for me. Uh, but they finally found me a Bible, and it was the smallest print I'd ever seen. I mean, they got like the entire Bible into like 40 pages. <laughs> but it was funny. It was waiting for me in my room when I got out of the seeing the doctor, and I found out I was bipolar. And and the reason I keep going back to Christ, and the reason I know that you know that is what I believe, and that's where my heart is— it's because I opened up the Bible and literally the first thing I saw was in James and it said that the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Right. You're mm. kidding me. I mean, that's, mm. yeah. I mean that, that's beyond coincidence, you know. But through the meditation and through the prayer of being in the hospital, it made me realize that I'd been trying to sort of jam my, my square peg into a round hole for so long with a church that I didn't feel comfortable being partnered with. And yeah. I don't like having my name on a dotted line with a church that when I do talk to people about my faith and when I tell people about how I got sober and how I got sober through God and through my, my faith in Christ, and then I direct them to Revolution Church because I don't feel comfortable directing them to my church because my church doesn't think gay people should be married. Right. <laughs> it's not a good situation. Yeah, um, that's, a t that's a really tough situation. It was, and... I ended up, uh, after I got out, I, I spoke to my, my friend who was uh, one of the pastors there, and he called me on the phone just to, I took a social media break a little bit, and, um, you know, he called to kind of check up on me, and I told him what had happened with the with the hospital and that, and, you know, we got to talking, and I, I let him know again how I felt, and I realized that, I mean, he didn't even try to talk me out of it. And to be honest, he didn't even try to have, really have a conversation with me about it. Oh, man. It was more of just, all right, well, that's what you believe. I know what it says in the Bible. So if you want to think, you know, he's like, I know that it's wrong and I know that it's unnatural and mm. I know that it's a choice. And yeah, that was it. Pretty much so, not even hearing what you're saying, not validating anything. You just, nope, you're wrong. Well, they have to toe the line, too, because of the, it's his job, you know, yeah. unfortunately. Well, and that's what I... And I feel that that was the difference and that this church, I mean, it is full of incredibly loving and generous and helpful and considerate people. It yeah. truly is. It's just these outdated ideas and principles that, you know, when I try to talk to my pastor and say that, listen, when, 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 I, when I talk about how gender is a spectrum and there's people who don't identify a binary gender system. Yeah. And then I talk about how love and marriage doesn't have to be between a man and a woman. It can be between two human beings. Like instead of saying, well, no, it, here's what it says in the Bible. And I try to say, isn't it better to say, I mean, to me, it's a testament of God's incredible power. Right. It's a testament to the ever changing and evolving nature of this all powerful being that on Sundays, we all acknowledge that his, that God's knowledge, I don't want to say his, that God's knowledge it extends so far beyond our human understanding. Yeah. yeah. As humans, we're going to say, but about this, you're wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and maybe it's hypocritical because I'm telling them they're wrong. But I just know that <laughs> I would I would rather 
have a couple people at my old church think that I'm a shitty Christian than have an entire community of people think I'm a shitty person. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it's heterosexism is what I call it, you know, um, because it's a type of prejudice, but it's like it is so indoctrinated into the church and they're afraid to ask questions. And ironically, like for me, when I became an affirming Christian, I was still kind of a literalist. Mm-hmm. And so I went into Greek and Hebrew, and then I studied the history, especially of Rome, you know, because that Romans was Romans 1, was always like the big clobber mm-hmm. verse. Yeah. <laughs> but you also have to read Romans 2, but you also have to realize what kind of gods they were wor- worshiping. You also have to realize the audience, who Paul was talking to, the priests, and what their practice of, of sacrifice and to the, se- the sexual god was, that there were people who could receive, but not... They could give but not take, mm. basically. They could be the giver but not the taker. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you go through all this stuff, and so I've obviously, I've sometimes even, I would argue with literal, I like arguing you know, with literalists about it because I'm like, actually, well, if you're a literalist, you literally should be open to LGBTQ people because they're not in the Bible and trying to give them the idea that, you know, some of these sexual identities and stuff didn't even exist until you had people like Freud come along and say, okay, here's right. sexuality. Um, you know, because they just think it's, well, it's the act, it's, you know what I mean? And they're not willing to move out of their comfort zone um, because it takes time. And I, I said this today when I was talking um, at services, you know, we we have to do the hard work. But the scary thing is, is when you do the hard work, you might find out what you don't want to find out. Like for me, it was the opposite when I studied it. I found out what I was hoping would be there. And some people would say, well, you projected it on there, and that's fine. I, I, I'm glad to argue that well, too. But but I feel a lot of those folks are afraid to look deeper deeper into it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really tough. I mean, I, 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 you know, I feel like there are, you know, some people who are called to stay in and change things from the inside, mm. but I think that's a very few. Um, because, honestly, I couldn't go to a church that didn't welcome LGBTQ. I mean, you wouldn't go on to go to a church that says, "Oh, well, we don't let you know interracial couples come to our church." Yeah. I think that's a sin, right? You know, and there was a time where that was a huge part of the church, totally. You know, and that was a big deal. And then our in our country, it was illegal to get you know have interracial marriage, and so you have to start. You know, anyway, I could go on forever, but yeah, well, and that's one of the things I tried to explain was that that idea of like you know they were so welcoming with me, and they immediately as soon as I came in, they're like what's going on? You know, I told them everything and they, they helped me. They, I, I was baptized and they brought me on and made me part of the worship team. And they brought me in to share my testimony at the, at the men's groups and at, at CR. And they, you know, it was all of this. And I, and the reason I was able to do that, you know, is because you know, and it, they, but they would get mad when I would say this, I am a tall, straight, white guy with mm. all my hair and I'm not overweight. And do you realize yeah. all those advantages that it, it gives me in this life? Like right. I don't make any bones about that. But I see the way that they, you know, look at other people and I hear the way that they gossip. I hear, you know, and things like that. And look, we're all human and we're all flawed. Yeah. But I guess that, you know, the hard thing for me is that, you know, you're, you're a Southern Baptist church and the Southern Baptist church has come a long way because it's at its very foundation. It was so that black people couldn't be a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it, it's just I don't know. I, I try to like you said, Jay, there's people who maybe are they're wired to be on the inside to make those changes from the inside. I have so much on my plate right now, yeah, personally, yeah. that I just realized when I was in the hospital, 
I can't be the one to try to enlighten everybody yeah. in this church, you sure. know. But two, saying, but leaving and letting them know why you left is important yeah. too, because a lot of people just leave mm-hmm. silently and just like, oh, I'm just done, right. you know. And saying I love you, you know, I still love you just as much as always. But this is what effect this experience is yeah. having on me. This relationship is having on me. And so, you know, for personal self-care reasons, I just, I can't keep exposing myself to that. And it's become like a dark secret to a lot of churches. Like, you know, a lot of these really hip, cool churches, like there was one in New York. Um, gosh, I can't remember the name of it. But, you know, they're super hip, super cool. You know, you, you know, look at Revolution, look at them. They'd actually be cooler than us. And even um, woker than us, yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. but they hide the fact that they don't that they're not affirming, you know, and that they're heterosexist. They don't want anybody to know. And so until you decide you want to be on the worship team or you want to be a you know deacon or whatever, right. yeah, then they have to be like, oh, well, we don't really, you know. And I, you know, honestly, it's easier for me to accept churches that say it outright because I mean that's their right as a church if mm. they want to do that. Um, but I'd rather you say it outright than hide it yeah, from me. That level of deception. It gets really yes. uncomfortable. It, mm-hmm. And maybe it might not be the best uh, you know, analogy, but when I was talking to, to my friend uh, about it too, it's just sort of that at least the people that are out protesting at the Pride Parade are just put in your face like this is how ah, we feel. Yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, I, I don't agree with them, but at least they're not, again, like you said, they're not hiding it. Right. And, you know, it's it's one thing to say, well, we welcome everybody. And I know that's a big catchphrase for a lot of churches. Come yeah. as you are, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, come as you are, but if you want to get married, you have to do it somewhere else. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, it's not inclusive. Totally. And if you do get married, you can't yeah. become a member of the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's gosh, man, I'm, I'm sorry that happened, but it's tough. But I think it's also for people to see the complexity of a place like you found home. Mm-hmm. You found yes. comfort in that. Family, Someone even, who finds comfort like. in revolution, hearing what we're what we do, also found home in a Southern Baptist church. You know, so there's this huge complexity there, and you know, but the one thing that kept you away was the lack of inclusion. Um, but I think it should remind us too is like you know these f- people aren't evil people; they're not horrible people; yes. they're mm-hmm. kind people, um, but they are victims of misinformation. Exactly. They are victims of tradition, and um, they're scared to think outside the box. And I mean, for your pastor, I don't know who he was, but forever he was, of him to come up and say, hey, I believe it's okay to be LGBTQ, he'd probably lose the church. You know, he'd definitely have to change the church's denomination. They'd lose financial support. You know, I mean, I'm not saying any of those are excuses to do anything, but I understand why these folks fear looking deeper into these things or questioning it, especially when you're, right. I mean, that's the problem getting locked into the denomination is there's not a whole lot of room for evolution. I mean, I was a friend of mine who's in a denomination and has been in it for 20, 30 years. And, uh, you know, I, 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 we talk every now and then, but rarely, but I see him online all the time and I'm like, he's not evolved at all. And I don't think that happens in just in denominations. I think it happens. But it was just really hard for me to be like, how has his faith just stayed exactly the same for like 20 or 30 years? Mm. And I have to believe that there's just certain things that he thinks and lets them pass or ignores or denies. Right. You know, Because I know I've sent him a ton of books on being uh, affirming, affirming and why, it's, why I believe it's okay and what I think about it. I know I've sent him from like online. <laughs> like I've sent books to his house. <laughs> I don't know if you read them, but uh, yeah, it's, 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 I don't know. It's, it's, it can be scary for people. I don't think people realize that they're like, you know, I had some guy the other day who was like, 
oh, poor Jay Baker stood up for human rights and lost everything. Oh, that's really sad. And then he had a laughing face. Like, of course you should have stood up for human rights. But people don't realize when you're programmed in church to think a certain way and believe a certain thing, you know, and you're like, well, I don't know. You know, why would God say, well, hell, like hell's a concept I have an issue with. And I'm like, well, I had to look into it and research that too. You know, because it's like, it's just, I've always been told this is what's right. And this book tells me what's right, you know, and and it's so hard to let that go. And so I think there's a lot of great people who have fallen victim to misinformation and have a lot of fears. It's just like someone saying, I'm afraid to doubt or I'm afraid to do this. Unfortunately, it affects other people. But I I think, you know, and and the reason I'm, I'm, I'm going down this road is just because I think people need to know, like, you know, these people are people that we can hopefully change and communicate with and, and be purveyors of correct information, mm. you know, in time. And knowing, you know, hey, these are loving, great people. They're really worth worth, worth helping, mm. you know, and having hard conversations with, you know. Sometimes they won't. Like, I, I had a pastor friend of mine who was on my board of directors. And when I said I was being affirming, he was like, you know, Told me, he told me what he thought the little Greek meant about LGBT stuff, and it was something I can't even say on here because it was so. The little Greek meant? No, in Greek. Which, oh. And, and he was like, oh, it means man effort, you know? And I'm like, mm. oh. and he's like, blah, blah, blah. And he was so angry and nearly destroyed the church himself, um, my church. Um, but uh, yeah, it was. It, he was really angry and really hard to communicate with. Um, told me the Holy Spirit was going to get me apart, get to me, and all this stuff, and take me down. And so, I, I don't know. It's such a complex thing, but I just want to say I, I, I'm encouraged to hear that you felt the need to leave. I think that's, yeah. and I, I'm glad you told them why, because I, I think mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not as involved in LGBTQ rights as much as I used to be, but. Um, it's it's encouraging to hear that people are still moving forward. It's sad to me also to hear that there's still mega churches that can't have this conversation in a way that's mm-hmm. decent. Totally, yeah, absolutely. So I guess we've been doing this for a long time, and we usually ask. <laughs> this has been a great. <laughs> this, this has been great. This has been really great. Really glad. We had I really nice. appreciate your being transparent, especially about uh, you know going to the hospital. I mean, it's easy for me to be transparent about that stuff because. Uh, it's all I've got. Um, and I'm transparency is kind of what I use to, to do stuff. But, uh, but I don't, and then people tell me I'm brave and I'm like, Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. Whatever. You know? But then when I hear someone like you say like, yeah, I went to the, and it was scary and it was like prison. I'm like, Oh man, that is brave. So thank you for sharing that with us. Cause I think there's a lot yeah. of people go through that hell. And I appreciate you guys doing this because, um, you know, at, at the risk of, of making it, in a, in a selfish way, a lot of these things that I've talked to you guys about are things that I haven't been able to bring up to a lot of my friends and a lot of people at my, you know, former home church. Right. And I know that this is a platform now that nobody is doing anything that they'll be able to hear my side of the story without immediately trying to <laughs> quiet me down or right. shut me up because I do want them to know how much I love all of them. And if that church, I mean, unfortunately, the problem with being a smaller church is that if there was a way that we could step back and end our partnership but still attend without having to talk to anybody anymore, it'd be great. <laughs> but we can't do that. We'll see when things open back up. I don't know. If it's not until September, October, maybe we can still go there on Sunday mornings. Who right. knows? 
you know, but I know that hopefully this is something that maybe some people there in leadership will be willing to listen to and just think twice about where they are in their faith. So yeah, totally. Well, um, we, this is the part, we'll do this part and then I'm going to tell them a quick story. Sure. But, um, this is the part where we do, um, we ask if, if there's anything you, as a congregation member, if there's anything we're doing that we could change, do more of, or do less of. <laughs> help us help you. Um, no. Um, or well, something completely thing, different. Yeah. One thing uh, you guys got today was the, the damn R has been backwards. And today it was forward. Oh, yeah, yeah. How did we do that? <laughs> I did that. I changed it. Oh, you put the R backwards. Yeah. So if you flip it around, the, the old one's on the back side. Oh, that's hilarious. It. Yeah, so that was good. Uh, yeah. That's all our money goes into the graphics. Yes. Yeah, I figured. I figured, yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> um, you know, um, no, honestly, I, you know, I'm still newer to it, so I'm not really one to be uh, giving any advice uh, to somebody who's been doing it as long as you. Uh, one thing that I can say that I really enjoyed from my former church is that, uh, as I mentioned, when we started going there and throughout, they they had a tendency to break down the Bible with different series. Like yeah. I told you, they did the first John, love one another. They did another one that I really liked um, that was just about, it was called B9, and it was the nine fruits of the spirit. Um, And I know there's a lot of planning and organization that goes into that, which is not the punk rock anarchist way. (laughs) Uh, uh, But I just know for me, being a, a, coming to Christ, back to Christianity later in life, I kind of needed the head start to know what we were going to talk about so I could read about it throughout the week and try oh, to get yeah. up to speed a little mm-hmm. bit. So, um, but honestly, I mean, I, that's just something I personally liked. Um, but I, you know, I really enjoy what you guys do and, um, you know, I appreciate the podcasts mm-hmm. in between. I, um, and honestly too, I mean, even I've learned as much from revolution church on Sundays um, I've learned as much from Loosen the Bible Belt podcast as well. Oh, as really? I from Revolution. And I, cool. Cool to I, mean, hear. I don't want to just name drop here, but I kind of know Kristen Becker from Buffalo, New York days. Oh, yeah. Um, nice. You know, and that was how I actually first found out uh, about Revolution was because Kristen had, had shared Whoa. it with me. What? We'll have to let her know that. Yeah, I got to tell her that one. Yeah, she's a great person, and I used to, uh, you want to talk about making people's minds uh, explode when I would tell people in my church that, oh, I used to play, I used to be the musical act for this uh, variety show comedy act in Buffalo called The Dykes of Hazard. Oh, you did Dykes of Hazard? That's well, hilarious, because we did. I would do, uh, yeah, I would, like, our band would come in and play for the shows. And well, because yeah. when we did Loosen the Bible Belt on the road, we would have, a, we'd have, we've had musicians go with us, too, on tour and do music in between and do, like, a variety show, and Kristen hosts it and does comedy. Well, if you ever go on tour again let me know we will we want johnny cash though (laughs) yeah Yeah, hey i'll do it i'll make more money as johnny cash than i will as andrew reimer so so this is this is how i was gonna what i was gonna tell you um bringing it back to johnny cash um and i'll hit you up online with a few johnny cash book ideas if you haven't read them yet but this is a johnny cash story i bet you never heard um when i was a kid and my parents lost everything we were in Palm Springs, and my mom was addicted to uh, Ativan and Valium and was having to go to Betty Ford Clinic and all that stuff. And I mean, we were, they, we, this was like the bottom. We were at the bottom, you know? And my parents go, Hey, do you want to go see Johnny Cash play? And I go, I don't know who that is. And they're like, Oh, he's a country singer. And that's all they had to say. And I was like, Nope, which I regret for the rest of my life. Um, and so they go and see Johnny Cash. And so this, is the story that was told to me by my mom and my dad. So they're sitting in there listening to Johnny Cash. He's playing, you know, and 
All of a sudden he goes, ladies and gentlemen, um, there's some friends of mine right now who are just going through hell. And some of you might not have the best you know, opinion of them right now, but they're good friends of mine and have always been close to me, and I really love what they do. Jim and Tammy, would you stand up? Wow. So they have my mom and dad stand up, and they clap. Gets even better. Then Johnny goes, and you know, Tammy's an amazing singer, and Tammy, would you come up and sing a song? No. I wish I could remember the song, because I can't off the top of my head right now. What? So my mom got up and sang a song with Johnny, and then they went and took pictures and hung out with Johnny and June. And they'd known him for a while, I guess. I didn't realize. And, and took pictures of Johnny and June to the point where I think Johnny was taking a picture of my mom. And he's like, the Inquirer's going to think we're having an affair. You know, and like all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, that guy was, that guy means the world to me. I've got, um, when my, right when my mom died and I went through my first divorce, I got help, Lord, on my hands. And that's from that song he did, um, a Down on Bend a Knee, Begging You Please for Help. And mm-hmm. I got that on my hands because of that. Because I just when I lost my wife and my 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 mom died a week later, it was just, uh, you know, that was my first time of ther- uh, try try to therapy, uh, tattoo therapy. But um, so he's just been always been a huge important part of my life. And uh, years later, I was at a book convention with my dad, and there's this huge line, and I'm like, "What is that line for?" And he's like, "Well, that's for Johnny Cash." I'm like, "I want to meet Johnny Cash, but I don't want to wait in line for an hour." And he grabs me, and he's like, come on. I'm like, what are you doing? You're breaking line, Dad. And he's like, he's like, oh, I know, Johnny. And I'm like, Dad, we're gonna, people already hate us. Let's not uh-huh. it anyway. We walk up. <laughs> me and my sister, my, 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 my nephews all walk up, and Johnny goes, um, Jim. And then he goes, Jamie Charles, which is my real name. Jamie and Charles is my middle name. He knew my full name. So good to see you. Looked at my sister, Tammy Sue. You have such a beautiful voice. I mean, she hadn't had an album in years. And and remembered wow. all that, and so it was a really cool moment uh, that that he played in, our, in my life, and, and of course my theology, and probably my identity as well. So, anyway, just want to pass that on to you. That's, That's awesome. incredible. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Well, Andrew, thanks for being so transparent. Yeah. Man. Thank this you so is, much. This is the kind of thing I hope we get more of, and I hope you uh, end up meeting some more of the Congo members on online. Totally. Cool. Before we wrap, Andrew, I'd like to make a quick request of you, and you can deny it if you'd like. I'd like for you to perhaps sing a new little theme song for Jay, something along the lines of, <laughs> I fell into a theology of pyre. Oh, my gosh. I fell into a theology of fire. I went down, down, down. The flames went higher, and it burns, burns, burns. The theology of fire, theology of fire. Thank you, sir. I'm sure. I'm sorry, I, I didn't warm up. I hope that was no, no, okay. Great. I, I got red. Um, from <laughs> that ring of well, we'll send that to Pete because I told Pete I was into pyro theology. He's like, so this is the day of my downfall. <laughs> Well, thank that was you, sir. Awesome. Thank you so much. We thank appreciate you. Guys. you it's an honor to uh, to talk to you guys. Thanks for all the work that you guys. Oh, both do. Thank, thank you. you. Have a great one. Stay in touch, buddy. Take care. Bye. We'll do. Bye. We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100 percent by listeners like you. To make your 100 percent tax deductible donation today please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. If you like that, you might enjoy the Loose in the Bible Belt podcast with Jay Baker and me, Kristen Becker.
you know, no, guns don't be scared. and God and, you know, religion. I, I am all for those things. I, you know, but I'm also for people that aren't for those things. So there I'm shaking. I'm so sorry. I'm so shaking. No, you should, no, 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 I, I think it's a good point though to make is how much we have alienated the conservatives and scapegoated them to the point that we have, uh, I would say, a normal American probably who's a conservative on right now, and they're scared. You know, they get <laughs> nervous because they're like, oh, these guys are kind of liberal. I'm scared of them. You know, and, 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 and if I was on a, like, if I've done, I've done Fox News before, you know, and I've been like, oh, I'm kind of scared to go on there. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's like, these are, it's a two-party country that we live in. Should we really be scared of each other? No. <laughs> Yeah. No, we shouldn't. But we are. But we've given each other reasons to be scared. And we have. That was a post-Christian podcast.